0: Welcome back to Booze and Buffy, a podcast where we are watching and discussing every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Angel the Series, one by one. There will be no spoilers for future episodes, but we will be discussing details from previous episodes. Uh, I am Harrison, and I am
1: not a red shirt this week. And I'm Jason, and... Dawn may have stolen a lot of things, but this week she did not steal my heart. No. No. Harrison, what episode are we watching <laughs> today?
0: Uh, we are watching Buffy Season 6, Episode 14, Older and Far Away. Uh, as Jason alluded to, this is the episode that's going to make
1: it really difficult to be a pro Don podcast. Hey, every character has their bad episodes. Some have a couple. Yeah. Some have a lot. Like Riley. (laughs) (laughs) Um,
0: This is the one where uh, Dawn inadvertently traps uh, the Scoobies uh, uh, with some some guests uh, in Buffy's birthday party uh, when she inadvertently makes a wish to a vengeance demon.
1: Uh, They prefer justice demons. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) FYI. (laughs) Older and Far Away it was written by Drew Z. Greenberg and directed by Michael Gershman and originally aired on February 12, 2002. Fuck yeah, it was. I don't know why I got so into
0: it. I don't really like this episode. Maybe I should have been like, fuck yeah, it was. Anyway, hit it.
1: Okay. That, was the, uh, that was the Booze and Buffy band with a uh, special guest star this week, special guest musician, Bruce Springsteen. Oh, wow. How, how you doing, Bruce? Why are you slumming it? He, he gave me a thumbs up. <laughs> <It's> so cool. <laughs> All right. Uh, Jason, what are we drinking today? We are both partaking of the special Jaws edition of mm-hmm. Narragansett uh i've had this on the i know i've had this on the podcast before i don't know if you've had it on the podcast
0: oh that's a good
1: question i don't know if i have but yeah it's a it's a special uh release for the summer uh that is that is uh looks just like the beers from jaws yeah
0: um because um i think we mentioned this at some point when you were drinking it that yes the uh Narragansett is what they are drinking in Jaws when they're on the Orca um can I say something controversial I feel like you're going to anyways but uh, so I think I love Jaws mm-hmm. I think Jaws is a great movie um I think it's far stronger in it's first half um before they get on the Orca um there's a lot of great sequences on the Orca the scene where Richard Dreyfus. Who's yeah, do, um, he gives the big monologue about being on the Indianapolis when it sung. Oh
1: no, that was um, that was uh, Quint. Yes,
0: yes, Quint. Thank you. Um, like that scene is that really would, good. The, uh,
1: Shaw, what's his name? Um, Robert Shaw. Robert Shaw. Yeah, I
0: think that's right. I think that's right. That scene electric. Um, a lot of their interactions. I'm pretty are really sure have
1: had. I'm pretty sure you've said <laughs> this before on the podcast Maybe. too.
0: But oh, that's okay. A lot of the action sequences in that section are really repetitive. It's like meet Shark, try to stop Shark, fail, have some human drama, repeat. And, like, the human drama is pretty interesting, but uh, some of the action sequences, I find, get a little repetitive. Um, and if I said that before, then my apologies for uh, you know, repeating the same flaw that I find in the second half of Jaws. Um, also, Jaws 2, underrated.
1: I haven't um, seen any of the sequels to Jaws.
0: Um, Jaws 2 is, like, Almost a slasher movie, in a way. Um, Three and four are truly bad. Um, Four is bad in a a way that's really fun to watch. Three is bad in a really boring way. Is four the one with
1: Michael King? It is. Yeah.
0: That's the one where the shark's out for revenge on them. Because it is called Jaws for the Revenge. Um, So, anyway. Uh, I guess that's my toast this week. Uh, Here's to Jaws. (laughs) Here's to the
1: Jaws franchise. (laughs) Yeah. Cheers. Cheers! Clunk. We can't do a clink, so we gotta do a clunk.
0: Oh, gosh. I just wish we had better shark movies. Like, I feel like most shark movies are pretty bad.
1: Yeah, they often try to... Well, wasn't the... uh, What was that one about the Florida town getting flooded... That's Crawl. Crawl. That's an alligator. Oh, that's an alligators, right. Cra-
0: I know you have no interest in that one because of your aversion to
1: drowning-related Here, stuff. Here's the but- thing. I, I honestly feel like I should watch it um, because I always give... Like, even if it's a bad horror movie... I'm not saying it's so bad because I've obviously never <laughs> seen it. But uh, even if it's a bad horror movie, if it gives me legit scares it bumps it up. Yeah. Um, I'm not whor- There're very few horror movies that like legit phase me. So maybe I need to make things a little more interesting and go <laughs> out of my comfort zone and into the water. I personally really like Crawl. I it's a night,
0: it's a tight 90 minutes which it might even be shorter. Actually, it might be like 80,
1: 80 to eighty five. And you know that's good for horror movies in, like yeah. that, like for creature features especially, because in and they, out. Yeah, you don't <laughs> want to you don't want to stay your overstay your welcome. In those, um, it is
0: an extremely likable lead in Kaya Scodelario. I think is her name. Um, I don't really know her from anything else, but she's she's very likable, so you root for her. Um, the alligator effects. I was actually quite shocked when I found out that it was majority CG. Um, in the movie, I thought there were way more practical effects than um, than, uh, than there actually are in the movie. And there's just like some really cool set pieces, um, and it's really tense. I, I personally really enjoyed it. I actually saw it on my birthday a few years back. Um, it's like a Wednesday matinee, and I was the only one in the theater. Are you uh, going to see a movie on your birthday this year? I probably am. It's coming up? It's coming up in a few days. Thank you for shooing that in there for me. Um, I still haven't seen, um, uh, Across the Spider-Verse. Okay. Um, so, and that's a pretty, that's, that's kind of a high priority movie for me because I loved, um, Into the Spider-Verse. Um, so there's a good chance I will see that. Um, I might go see, I might, I might see the new Insidious movie, um, but i will probably prioritize Spider-Man over, I, I, I don't mind the Insidious movies, but they're not like they're not high priority. They're like, um, they do love me some Rose Byrne, so. <laughs> uh, speaking of birthdays, it's Buffy's birthday. It is. Uh, this- Actually,
1: was... this is fun because, you know, your birthday and her, and us watching her birthday are kind of lining up. I liked that. I actually mm.
0: did, even though her birthday is in January and mine is not. Um, this would be her 21st, right? I she turned so. 18 in season 3, 19 in season 4. Tw- yeah, this is her 21st birthday. Happy 21st birthday to Buffy! Yeah. Who actually in real life now would be like, I think, in her 40s. Mm-hmm. Um, Buffy's just a couple years younger than SMG. So we start the episode in the summer's home. Uh, Buffy is apologizing to Dawn. They were meant to have dinner together. Um, but there is some sort of very dangerous demon out and about in the town, uh, but Buffy promises some real quality time soon. Dawn's very like, yes, of course, so yeah, go away. But then when she, uh, when she leaves the, uh, when she walks out of the house, music turns very somber. Dawn's just in a shadowy corner by herself and she frowns. Um... Let's take a drink every time Dawn's uh, in a shadowy corner by herself, frowning. Or uh, we, not? We'd need more beers. Let's. Um, I have to d- just. I, w- I do want to say off the top. I'm not mad at Dawn for her feelings. Um, I'm not even mad at Dawn for the wish. It wasn't her fault. She didn't know.
1: Yeah. I'm mad at Dawn for everything else that comes after. Um, yeah, kind of like not recognizing the situation.
0: Mm-hmm. Centering herself in everything. Centering
1: herself and just making it worse. Yeah.
0: And doing literally nothing to try to solve the problem that she caused. Mm -hmm. Even inadvertently. Like, I get it was an accident, but, you know, you hit someone with a car in an accident, their leg's still broken. Um, And you are responsible for doing the surgery. Um, That's how my metaphor works. Sure. (laughs) Um buffy does find this demon um the demon design itself is not terrible but it's it's pretty standard demon but it does have a kind of cool like um teleporting thing it does um where it kind of phases in and out of reality i'm not not sure exactly what it's doing but um it makes for a visually uh uh distinct fight that we don't uh, get a lot on the show. um It's over pretty quick, though.
1: It, and I think it was particularly done for this episode because they needed a monster that could move throughout the house easily.
0: Yes, and some yeah, something that you know the the summer's house is nice, but it's it's not huge. So this big bulky demon just running around, they're going to find it pretty quickly. So something that can hide. And the walkways
1: are not great, right? When you think about it. There's, there's not too much open space except mm-hmm. maybe in the living room. And yeah, um, Buffy does manage to stab the
0: demon with uh, its own sword. Uh, she thinks that she killed it and that it was one of those handy self disposing demons, um, but uh, in fact, it got uh, kind of sucked into. Uh, the blade, which I was like, it's weird, but
1: okay. <laughs> also, I mentioned this when we watched the episode, but I do not think that is a good hat to wear while you are slaying. No. I don't think there's anything particularly wrong with the hat on its own, like, if you're going out for a night on the town, but it seems like with Buffy's hair the way that it is, that that kind of almost bucket hat mm-hmm. could, um, like, It seemed that it could have obscured a lot of her vision. Yeah, the brim was,
0: like, really low over Mm -hmm. her eyes and was kind of pushing her bangs down. Um, Also, let's just be real. We know she borrowed slash stole that hat from Willow.
1: (laughs) (laughs) We really don't see Willow wear a lot of hats these days. Not
0: much, not much.
1: Willow, what happened to the hats? Her fashion evolved. Her fashion evolved,
0: and so did her magic. That wasn't a joke. I, I don't know. I was trying to come up with some sort of pun, but... Um, over at the Magic Box uh, Anya, Willow, and uh, Xander are planning Buffy's birthday party Um, Xander tells Willow that Tara uh, has been invited at Buffy's bequest and that Buffy very specifically uh, wants Tara there, so lovely bit of follow up uh, from, uh, from the previous episode, also just let's Name her right now, Tara, M V P yeah. of this episode. Oh my god. Because
1: gosh. she won't stand for Spike's shit.
0: She won't. I never knew that Tara just trolling Spike was what the character needed. Well, but it's it,
1: ap- it happens so <laughs> seldomly <laughs> because Tara's not the one to normally stand up to people. Yeah. But she not only stands up to Spike in this episode, but also a very angry and a little um out of sorts on you yes
0: i and i have mixed feelings on that um, i love tara standing up for willow I, I love it uh in a just contained within itself i struggle more with the larger context
1: that is willow's overarching story because um, well even in this she mentions what magic users anonymous or something oh god that
0: annoyed me Um, At least, I don't know, at least the episode seemed to be aware that that was dumb, but...
1: (laughs) (laughs) Let's not go to it. Yeah.
0: Um, But uh, Xander's... Buffy has asked Xander to make sure Willow is okay with Tara being invited, and Willow is very okay with that.
1: Yeah, too bad it makes for an incredibly awkward scene. (laughs) In In a party full of awkward scenes. Oh, yeah.
0: Uh, Don arrives at the Magic Box and uh, they we do get a brief check-in on the trio. Basically, we don't know where they are. <laughs> um, and Don asks the gang to go to the mall with her to ha- help her find Buffy's birthday present. And no one can. Uh, it's Anya's night to do the books for the Magic Box. Sander has to finish his shift schedule for his team and Willow has to go to her aforementioned Spellcasters Anonymous. Um, so Dawn takes it personally. Um, this, this, I really feel like we could rename this episode Dawn Takes It Personally.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you know, I think that Xander does bring up the fact that Dawn is a teenager. Mm-hmm. And I feel that when you're a teenager, and honestly beyond that as well, your feet when you're a kid when you're before you're a teenager you experience a wide assortment of feelings Mm -hmm. but you're kind of used to depending on how you're raised but more often than not you're kind of used to the your parents or even your family just kind of making sure that they attend to you and, um, you kind of, that kind of like builds the self-centering of when you feel these emotions. Yeah. When you become a teenager, you feel rougher and tougher emotions <laughs> and in yeah. your twenties and thirties as well. But you also have to fight that urge to, mm-hmm. again, center it on yourself. Yeah. Because, uh, that... Like, you're slowly getting away from... You're slowly moving further and further out into the real world where you can't self-center yourself. Yeah.
0: And that's the... I think that's the issue. I think we're in and up. This is an episode where, you know, it once again, you know, we got past this after the first couple episodes of season five, but it feels like we've regressed a bit on the writing for Dawn, and she feels like two years younger than she actually is um she's old enough and has experienced enough at this point to to know better in my in my opinion than to act like this like i don't mind her being salty i don't mind her but like she like almost actively like i don't know how to articulate my feelings on this but it's just like she just doesn't seem to give a shit about anyone else. And that's not the Don we know. The Don we know is
1: very empathetic. and Yeah, and it doesn't help that... I would say for the first part of this episode does a decent job of telling the story from Don's point of view. We've seen Don's reactions to some of the stuff that Buffy's going through. And we see... Uh, and, you know, sometimes... It's reasonable, sometimes a little not so. Mm -hmm. This one actually kind of takes it from Dawn's perspective, why we see her... We we get a lot of, like, one-on-one time with Dawn. Yeah. But just for that first part of the episode, once the wish is in place, then it basically just kind of drops in on her Mm -hmm. every now and again to say some sort of scathing remark. Yeah. And so that was not a great choice by the writing.
0: I agree. And... Honestly, I feel like every character suffers for that a bit, even though ostensibly it's a Dawn centric episode. Um, it
1: becomes much more of an ensemble episode yeah. later on, and we're when, getting and, like, and, vignettes it, with people. Yeah, right? and when the entire point of the episode is Dawn feeling like she's being abandoned, I mean, she's abandoned by the writers of the episode. Yeah.
0: Um, so, yeah. damn. Don't tell Dawn that. She'll scream at you. Um, I did. Actually, I'll save this for when we get to that scene. But um, uh, we do see Buffy get home, uh, or Dawn get home later that night from the mall. Uh, Willow and Buffy have not gotten back yet. And we see Buffy, goddammit, Dawn empty her pockets of just items she stole um, and take off her jacket to reveal. A very nice looking leather jacket beneath it that she also stole. Um, it's it's really funny. I often think of season six as like, oh, that's the Dawn Steel season, and
1: it's actually been less of a thing than I remember. Exactly. It. It's I, just that there's nothing else going on with Dawn. Yeah. So it feels like it's taking up mm-hmm. so
0: much more space than it actually does. Um, but. Um, but yeah, it's really been isolated to just a few scenes mostly. Um this is the the most this episode is the most the season has given it any real attention. Um but the next day at school, Dawn is called into the uh, guidance counselor's office. This is where she meets uh Halfrick, who In disguise In disguise, yes. Um so listeners will remember Halfrick from um. Oh, which episode was. was how frick did she first appear in? I don't know.
1: It was a few episodes back. Um. Yeah. It wasn't the. It wasn't the life serial, was it?
0: No, because life serial. Anya would have been in the magic box most of the. Most of that episode. Okay. Um. It was. Now it's going to bug me. Halfric. Uh, Halfrick first appears in uh, Double Meat Palace.
1: Oh, wow. I should have remembered yeah. that then.
0: Um, There's just so much other stuff going <laughs> on in that episode that I love. Yeah. Um, so yes, listeners, this is uh, Anya's vengeance demon friend. Justice demon. Uh, justice demon, so sorry. Um, but she's,
1: yeah, she's posing as a guidance counselor. <laughs> sorry. Every time I've corrected you on justice demon, it made me feel like... Like uh, Janet from... <laughs> not, from the not, a <laughs> not a girl. Not a girl. Um,
0: But yeah, she... Kind of questions Dawn about her home life. Uh, And Dawn opens up to her and she's like, yeah, you know, I feel like everyone abandons me all the time. And uh, she wishes that people would stop leaving her. I understand these feelings of abandonment from Dawn. Um, It's she lost her mom. She lost her sister. She lost her Buffy bot. She, you know, dad's fuck off who knows where. Tara left. I get it, girl. Um, you're only a year and a half old,
1: like it's rough. <laughs> yeah, at this point it's not everything that Dawn is feeling is legitimate. Yeah. And you know, the entire point of a guidance counselor is to listen to these things. And so the fact that Dawn expresses these this stuff when yeah, when Anya's giving her shit at the end near the end of the episodes like you actually wish to somebody you had no idea. And I'm like, you know, if Dawn had a normal life, yeah. you wouldn't be mad at her at all. Right. Um, I do
0: like that that's presumably, like, a rule in the, like in the household. They're like, we don't invite people we don't know into the house. We don't use the word wish around people we don't know.
1: Um, and what, what was... Uh, oh, yeah, and as Buffy says in this episode, we don't talk lightly about eating people. <laughs> um Poor
0: Dawn, though. It's like someone in this fucking family decides to go talk to a therapist. It's a vengeance demon. I guess... Justice demon, I'm so sorry.
1: I guess at this point, what Dawn can really be... What Dawn is really the expression of is the dysfunction of the the lives that our characters are leading. Yes. Because um, we don't necessarily get to see the normal life that Xander and Anya are leading, which is probably the most normal life. Yeah. Um, We see Buffy having to deal with everything that's Mm -hmm. happened just this season. Yeah. Uh, And we see Willow having to, like, you know, come down from, like, the trauma of losing her relationship and the addiction and having to deal with all of that. Yeah. And nobody's really there to be a healthy guide and presence for Dawn. And... It's just, again, a representation of the dysfunction that's going on in in the lives of, arguably, our two main characters, Buffy and Willow. Yeah.
0: yeah. Um, And I feel like that's a bit of a disservice to Dawn as a character. Mm -hmm. She's she's, um, almost used as a prop. Um, um, The uh, party preparations are getting underway. Uh, Xander comments that uh, they have enough food for an army. Uh, Buffy says, no, they weren't invited. Um, I I liked that. I thought that was... That that felt like a good, like, classic Buffy quip. Um, She's still in there. She's having a rough time, but she's still got her quips. Um, Buffy has invited a friend from the Double Me Palace. Her name is Sophie. I would be really happy for Buffy making new friends at work if
1: it weren't for the (laughs) fact that Sophie's so boring. Yeah, the problem with Sophie... Is that it doesn't seem like she gets out much or at all. Yeah. Like, I think the majority of her outside interactions might be going to the Double Me Palace to work. Yeah. And it's also like a place that seems to be a place where she couldn't actually, like, eat any of the things right. that are around her. <laughs> she does
0: seem sweet. Uh, she seems nice. Uh, yeah,
1: and the fact that she did come to the party, that's a, that's a, um, that's probably that was probably a huge step for her. She's never set trying to. Yeah. Again. <laughs>
0: um, honestly, Sophie uh, and Richard, who is the friend uh, that uh, Xander and Anya invited, the red shirt I was joking about at the beginning of the episode, um, trying
1: to set Buffy
0: up. I I, I I I I understand why these characters are included. Um, up, it does up the stakes a bit. We know our main cast are all safe from harm, but having two potential victims in here are three, counting Clem, but I'm not counting Clem in this because I love Clem, and I'm happy to see him. Sophie and Richard are just kind of taking up space in the episode. Um, The only thing that they contribute is Richard getting hurt and providing a bit of a ticking clock, like, we need to get this guy medical Mm -hmm. attention um but otherwise and even then
1: it's not a serious ticking clock because they say oh we need to get him to a doctor quick but I mean they still like at least a half a day he's lying in in the bedroom even
0: when they can get out they're like they're waiting for all the denouement to happen before they actually leave they're like oh I know you need to go to the hospital but like Willow and Tara have to have this moment (laughs) like you you got it um (laughs) Um, no, I think we I personally think these two characters could have just not been here. Yeah. Um uh, Buffy tells uh, when Tara arrives, um Buffy's really, really happy to see her. Um they it's a it's a nice moment between the two. Buffy tells her that um Spike wasn't invited. When Tara asks, she's like, Yeah, I don't think he'll get along with people very well. Correct. Uh, that's kind of his thing <laughs> it's kind of his whole shtick uh but yeah willow comes down the stairs we see her like nervously getting ready to see tara and um there are very uh uh buffy just like pieces she's just like, she's like oh i have to go get the thing and he just walks coming um <laughs> But uh, Buffy and Tara try to have a bit of a conversation, but it's very it's very uncomfortable. It's very awkward for the two of them, and Tara does just kind of piece off. Um, so not a great start for the two of them uh, this episode, but not unexpected, unfortunately, for everything they've been through. Um, unfortunately for Buffy, uh, Spike does show up to the party. Uh, fortunately for us,
1: he brings Clem, who uh, we previously saw um, in Life Serial. In Life Serial, there yeah. In Life Serial, he was uh, one of the poker players uh, yes. playing Spike for kittens.
0: And I don't remember. Did Clem actually get a name in the la- in
1: Life Serial? I don't Cereal? think so. Okay, because yeah, but he obviously. And I completely forgot that his. I just thought his name was Clem, but no, it's Clement. Oh, I didn't catch that. Yeah, I, I love that. Well, I honestly would not have caught that if not for the subtitles we had on. Fair enough. Uh, yes,
0: we, we we don't typically watch the episodes with uh, subtitles, um, but uh, listeners, fun fact: my air conditioning is out again, <laughs> um, and so we had the box fan going. I need to going. stop coming
1: over because apparently every time <laughs> I do, um, yeah, it's
0: uh, so but
1: Clem is just to sum up, you could sum up why we love Clem just by what he does in this episode. He's he's just a cool guy. He's sweet. He, li- he likes being there. And even after all that, all the stuff that goes down at the end, he's still like, great party. Great party. <laughs> um, uh,
0: he has explained, his, his demonic appearance is explained to uh, Sophie and Richard as having uh, a skin condition. Um, and uh, Buffy... Uh, <laughs> When Buffy is introduced to Richard, uh, Xander encourages her to go show uh, Richard where to park his car, which Spike is not happy about. Um, And you know what? I am
1: totally fine with Spike not being happy. (laughs) Yeah, it's so funny because last week we talked about, even though Angel was jealous and made a lot of comments about the Greaselog being shorter than he remembered... (laughs) <laughs> In the end, when it came down to it, he was still... Stand-up guy. Yeah, he's still helpful, and he did. He wasn't petty. And, you know, Spike. <laughs> Monsieur William the Petty. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, William the Petty.
0: That, see, that's the thing. Angel will be petty as shit, He'll, but he, he keeps it to himself. He'll maybe express it to, like, Lauren or Wesley, you know, some close confidants. But, like... Push comes to shove. He does the decent thing. Um, He doesn't make it other people's problem. Uh, Spike loves making it other people's (laughs) problem. Um, uh, Anya, uh, or sorry, Dawn is very, very anxious that uh, we get to the gift opening portion of the party. Um, So Buffy receives a portable back massager from Willow um which clearly spike has some other ideas of how that could be
1: used so the problem with that is is that it's too short how do you use it yeah like if you're using it on yourself that would mean that like you're reaching around and doing that like uh when i used to get my hair cut at sport clips uh if you got the mvp treatment one of the things they did was uh was like have one of those things and like massage your shoulders like after Ooh, you got your haircut nice. that was nice but yeah and i imagine like oh this is so much better than like trying to reach back and get your back yourself yeah. um i'm sure there are some that are like designed to be like that but not this one. not this one
0: the one i uh, you used that one time when you were having when you hurt your back that has the, like lays on your neck and you put your uh, uh, yeah arms it's, it's through like it and like yeah, yeah. That one works really well. I like that one. Um, Buffy also receives a the, the leather jacket from
1: Dawn. Um, she does notice that the security tag yeah. is still on and there. And Dawn's
0: just like, that's so weird. But,
1: you know, there was this... It's actually kind of sad because when Buffy... Buffy says thanks to the massager, but then she's like, oh, who's next? Mm-hmm. And... I don't know if you saw it, but Willow did have a bit of a crestfallen look on her face. (laughs) Not as bad as it's going to be for Dawn, uh, but there is a slight moment when she opens up the present and she's just got this utter disbelief and, you know, tells Dawn that it's gorgeous. Yeah. And and it is. I mean, mean, if there's one thing we know that Buffy loves, (laughs) it's a nice black leather coat. Oh, yeah. Especially
0: if it's gifted to her by a loved one. Um... (laughs) And uh so yeah, she's very, very excited about the jacket,, uh, but she does kind of unintentionally hurt Don's feelings when she pushes it aside when she sees Xander and Anya's gift, which is a beautiful handcrafted wooden chest. Uh, that Xander made himself while Anya watched from a safe distance uh, giving helpful advice. I'm sure that <laughs> advice was incredibly helpful. <laughs> no. Um, he, uh, he uh, explains to her in hushed tones so that Richard doesn't hear that he's made spaces for her weapons um, and also a CD rack. Um, but it's such a gorgeous and super thoughtful gift. Yeah. Um, And this is... You know, we're not the biggest Xander fans, obviously. But when people try to paint Xander as having zero redeeming qualities, I'm like,
1: look at this. Yeah, well, he's not uh, a monster. Yeah. (laughs) Seasons 1 through 3 Xander and seasons 4 through 7 Xander are nearly two completely different people. Uh, You know, you still got, like, the stupid jokes there, but obviously... I would say that his maturation is the most obvious. Yes, because it was so. He was so obviously immature in those first couple seasons. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, this is
0: when uh, Sophie arrives. Um, she introduces everyone to Sophie while she has Dawn shut the door.
1: Don's like, grumble, grumble, grumble. I'm Don Summers. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Uh, We find out that Sophie is allergic to many things: Uh, soy, I think she said,
0: Uh, peanuts, uh, chocolate, and sometimes dairy. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, And we learn later also barley. When she shuts the door, uh, Halfrick does kind of emerge from the shadows on the porch. Uh, revealing her vengeance demons form and she goes wish granted which i joked i was like she was really biding her time on (laughs) that one she was like the second she heard that wish she was like "Ooh, i've got a good idea for this one but i gotta wait a bit well
1: i mean you saw when she tried to leave at the end of the episode when it didn't work at first she tried to recreate (laughs) her her
0: exit she loves she's very showy she yeah. loves she loves. Uh, She's got
1: a bit of Norman Desmond in her. <laughs> yes, I'm ready for my spotlight, Mister Denell.
0: Um. We uh, uh. So yeah, the party the party goes on. There's dancing. There's fun. There's games. Uh, Buffy briefly talks to Richard, but when she steps away, uh, Spike confronts her. He uh, Buffy. Refers to Richard as being sweet, and Spike's like, "Ooh, sweet," um, and he's like, hey, "Come on, let's go, let's go, you know, have some slap and tickle," um, and
1: <laughs> 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 uh, <laughs> I don't know why that got me, but they did. It.
0: I mean, it's not entire; it's not an entirely inaccurate way to describe their sexual relationship. There's a lot of but, interplay and and By sex the way,
1: Spike does have a black eye. Oh um, yeah, that he still has from dead things. Yeah. <laughs> um.
0: This uh, this is where Tara walks in though, and um, this is a great moment where I, I do feel like we see Buffy start to maybe give in to Spike. But when Tara walks in, and they make eye contact. That gives Buffy. You know, this is all in the subtext of the acting. So you, someone else might have a completely different read of this, but for me, it read like seeing Tara there gave Buffy the confidence and the to in, in herself to say no. Yeah,
1: and, uh, and I also feel like um, you know, at first, you would think that Tara is just going to stand there and look at look at them and that was gonna be it but then you know spike says oh buffy was holding me with a cramp She's like a cramp in your pants yeah and uh yeah nice, sassy tara nice sassy, sassy tara. tara we don't get it a lot but mm-hmm. when we do it's oh, nice love it
0: um in the kitchen xander and anya are being t- too cute for my liking frankly um in a public setting they're discussing who should go get the beer. Uh, Willow is finally just like, "I'll go get the fucking beer." <laughs> um, Sophie wants to come with her, even yeah. though she doesn't drink beer because yeah. of the barley. <laughs> she, just, she just wants to be involved. Um, so I would say this would imply um, that Xander and Willow are both older than Buffy. We don't actually know when their birthdays are, but um, if this is Buffy's twenty-first, and they're
1: and Xander has offered to buy drinks before. Yes, the that's true. Room. Um, which I mean, technically would have meant that he was serving alcohol to minors, but (laughs) he was buying alcohol for minors, but we'll look past that. Um,
0: so Willow, the police
1: of Sunnydale, are deeply deeply stupid. stupid.
0: Um, so Willow says she'll do it, but, uh, instead of getting up, she just lays her head on the table. Same girl. Yep. So, uh, yeah, the party continues, uh, they're playing, we got some of the group playing, uh, um... A three-hour game of Monopoly. Yeah, Monopoly, and, uh, some are playing poker, uh, Tara, Spike, Clem, and, is it Buffy who's also... No, Buffy's playing Monopoly. Mm -hmm. Someone else is playing poker with them, might be Xander. I think you're right, I think it was Xander. Um... But, uh, we, uh, Tara just uses this poker game to continue to troll, uh, to troll Spike some more. He's making some comments to Buffy, and she's just like, mm, Spike, you might wanna, how's that cramp there? Spike might wanna. Put some ice on it. Put some ice on it. <laughs> um, and I, not only are the, just the are all of Tara's lines great, but all of Spike's genuine, like. Well, he's not ready to deal <laughs> with her. He is, he is not prepared. <laughs> he is, he, they rarely interact anyway but like he has never heard her come at him this way (laughs) he is
1: so unprepared for it and it's one of my favorite things um and uh anya just wants to bankrupt somebody (laughs) in monopoly um uh, also
0: just pro tip for everyone out there next time you play a game of monopoly uh read the rules read the actual rules uh if you play a game of monopoly with the actual rules and not a lot of
1: the fake rules that we we've grown up with it's not as long a game as it sometimes can be basically harrison's referring to the auction rule in that uh when a person lands on a property they can choose to buy it if they don't buy it then it goes up for auction and uh that's a strategy it's a risky strategy uh, especially if you don't know like the exact amount, it's easier to do when you're playing a video game version of Monopoly and you yeah. see everybody's totals and you you see um, oh if somebody has like if you land on like a property that costs three hundred dollars and you see that somebody has like two hundred thirty six dollars, the person you're playing against is two hundred thirty six dollars, then you put just want to put it up for auction so that way you can get the property for two hundred forty dollars yeah. or two hundred thirty seven, uh, but. But yeah, it's uh, basically that means the properties come off the board fairly quickly. You can do your wheeling and dealing to get your monopolies, build your hotels and houses. And then basically the landing on a space becomes more perilous and people lose money quicker. Yep. Uh,
0: The other one is that um, a common house rule that is not an actual rule of monopoly um, and It's funny because my my Jurassic Park Monopoly actually specifies <laughs> this in the rules. It's like this is not a real. Mono- it's got a list of like common rules that make the game go longer that aren't actual Monopoly rules. But this one is uh, uh, in the actual game. The way it's supposed to be is uh, when you pay taxes, they just go straight to the bank. Yep. Um And free parking is a nothing spot. It literally is just a space where nothing happens. Yeah. A common house rule though is that. Taxes Anytime get paid of get the board, paid. yeah. And if you land on free parking, you just get that money. And it's like, and it's like after I thought that I was, like, of course, no wonder that game takes fucking forever when you can just randomly win like all the money in mm-hmm. it.
1: <laughs> yeah, and uh, another custom rule uh, that I've heard—I don't think I ever played it growing up, but I remember uh, if you land on go. Like, not cross-go, land-on-go, then you get $400.
0: Oh, interesting. I don't know that yeah. that was one that we ever played. There are a lot of
1: custom rules. that, And uh, I actually have Monopoly on the Nintendo Switch. Mm-hmm. And you can put some of those custom rules into play. Uh, like, landing-on-go gets you 400 Or free parking gets you, like, the middle of the board yeah. uh, pool or whatever. But, again, it does make for a longer game. Yeah.
0: And by all means, if you want to play those rules, go for it. Mm -hmm. No one's
1: stopping you. Monopoly police aren't coming.
0: Um,
1: But But yeah, uh, if you're going by official rules and you don't want a game to drag on forever, if you want a game to drag on forever, I mean, play Risk. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But no, everyone's having a great
0: time. Uh, Don suggests a slumber party and everyone's like, yeah, fuck yeah, that sounds like a great time. And... For once in this episode, Dawn is thrilled.
1: Um, everyone wants to be around her. They are remarking how, uh, you know, we've been here, it's like two-something in the morning, and that's all right, let's just keep going. Yeah.
0: Um, however, this does come to a halt in the morning, uh, when all the adult characters who have places to be, Richard and Xander, have to go to work Anya has to open the magic box, Tara and Willow have classes, um, and they are like, um, why
1: can't we leave? Sophie has to go to the Double Meat Palace, which she's kind of okay with saying <laughs> yeah, it. I don't know if that's part of the curse or just part of working in fast food. Yeah, <laughs> um, It could be either or. I think it's, I actually think it's mostly the latter. <laughs> yeah, um, I can't come into work, I'm stuck in a cursed house. <laughs>
0: Um, Again, Buffy. Shelby? Buffy makes uh, or Spike makes a comment about uh, uh, eating Richard, and uh, this is when Buffy has her line about we do not joke about eating people in this house. <laughs> um, and they are um, they're kind of in their you know a Spike and Buffy insult trade off uh, simultaneously. Don, uh, fucking hell willow and tara are in the kitchen talking as tara's making breakfast um tara and uh willow are talking about how it's weird they know they need to leave but like they just kind of don't want to can't seem to make themselves and uh during this fight between buffy and spike there uh she tries to tell him to leave he's like i can't it's daylight she's like fine i'll leave and then she's like I'm literally <laughs> trying to move right now. Uh so this is when everyone realizes that yes, yeah, something is preventing them from leaving the house. Now, I want to say I actually think conceptually I love this idea. Like um I wish this had be this were more of a traditional bottle episode. Like it is a bottle episode in some ways, but I don't know. I, I want to see more of the group as a group, trapped in this house, mm-hmm. figuring this out, as opposed to as I mentioned, these little vignettes that we get later. It just it feels like the episode outside of my issues with Dawn's story just isn't utilizing this concept to its full potential. Um. Uh, but this is where Dawn. Uh, just she snaps at all of them and she's just like of course you are going to be anywhere other than here with me and uh, they this is what's so annoying about what Don does here is they they—they immediately are like okay Don you're taking this pretty rough did you do something and she gets all pissy and she's like no of course not and they, and they believe her and for some reason, them believing her pisses her off more. It's
1: like, Dawn, what do you want? Yeah, it doesn't necessarily match up with Dawn's age, the way no. that she's acting. Like, if she were, like, grade school age, then maybe I'd kind of get, like, this irrational yes, behavior. Exactly. But it doesn't fit with the age that Dawn is. Yeah, I, I already w- mentioned that this writing feels like it regressed in this episode. Yeah.
0: I, you know, part of my job uh, involves working with kids um, and I work at our camp over the summer and um, y- and you will see that. You know, you, you'll, you have our older students who are in their teens who are around Don's age who, you know, they act out. They push the limits. They, um, you know, they, they are not always the most well-behaved, but they, they can follow trains of logic. Um, where they're going in a way that the younger kids sometimes struggle with mm-hmm. um, you know you explain to a kid like don't eat that bug and then they're in tears um, and where if you whereas if it's, if it's a teenager and you're like hey don't eat that bug they'll be like I'll eat this bug if I want <laughs> um, um, but yeah you're don't. not the boss of me are <laughs> not the boss of me but Don's just all over the place emotionally, and and um, in, in not in a way that feels true to character or earned through her arc. It just feels chaotic mm-hmm. for the sake of it. Um, they the group suggests using magic to solve the problem. Tara's like, great idea, but you know I obviously didn't plan on getting stuck here. I don't have any of my supplies. Tara Buffy's like, yeah, we got rid of everything. And this is when Willow reveals that she has kept some stuff um, uh, just in case of emergency. And
1: Tara just,
0: everyone's acting like, like oh no. Yeah, so what? you had a
1: problem with this? Yes, I did. I did have a problem with it as well because yeah, I mean If you're going for the straight-up, like, drug parallel storyline... Somebody who's trying to quit, like, keeping a little bit, like, around... Yeah, that's a bad thing. But, I mean, Willow is right. They live incredibly dangerous lives. Mm -hmm. I mean, last year, Glory was able to come into the house and threaten Dawn. And... And, yeah, I'm like, you know, the trio can... Nothing's keeping the trio out from doing whatever... Random shit they want to do. Yeah. Um, we might find out in later seasons that maybe the summer's house, in later episodes, maybe the summer's house isn't the most safe place in the world. Yeah. But it's never been the most safe yeah. place in the world. Yeah. And I, and yeah, the fact that, I mean, I get like you want Willow to be away from it, like be cold turkey and everything, but I wouldn't, especially now, I wouldn't give her the shit that is given to her. Yeah. Um,
0: I, and I think this really just highlights how poorly done this metaphor is mm-hmm. like because we're meant to treat it like oh no what if she's relapsed all of this where just yeah in practical terms they need supplies on hand like um yes buffy is powerful buffy is strong but you know she as evidenced by the whole series she is not capable of fighting every threat and they need all of their um all of their skills and techniques that they have um, but Tara asked for the supplies. Uh she makes it clear that she will be doing it alone. Um and Willow needs to keep her distance. Uh Tara does perform the spell trying to
1: release them from the house. Uh it
0: fails, but it does uh it succeed. fails at releasing them from the house, yes. but it
1: does release the demon from the sword. Yes.
0: And uh the, the demon attacks, uh, cutting Richard kind of uh, across the chest, uh, deep enough to be serious, not deep enough to kill. Um, and uh, the, uh, the demon just kind of retreats into the walls. Um, so here we kind of get, uh, um, we skip some time ahead uh, into the evening. Um, everyone can hear the demon in the walls. Uh they've got Richard and I think Buffy's bed. Um Willow is uh or Tara's taking care of him while Willow watches, I guess. Uh and we start to see Anya lose her shit. Oh my gosh, I cannot believe we skipped over. Wait. We did, we skipped over get out, get out, get out. Yeah. Oh my gosh. When Don huffs off to her room after getting pissed that they believe her that she didn't do it, they try to talk to her and she screams as loudly as possible. And God help you if you were like watching the episode on your laptop with like (laughs) headphones in. Get out! Get out! Get out! Harrison's favorite. So it's the second time it happened. It happened in season five in Tough Love, I think. Yes, it happened in Tough Love after she or no, Blood Ties. After she learned the truth about herself. Much more sympathetic to Don there, like, than here. Mm -hmm. Oh no, they believed me! They trusted (laughs) me! Gar! Um, But anyway, Anya is starting to freak out. She's getting really, really claustrophobic. She's having a panic attack. Um, And uh, as as Xander's comforting her... um, he get, and tries he tries to get her some water. He is attacked by the demon. Um, Buffy uh, uh, and Spike fight the demon off when it attacks Xander. Um, and there's uh, there's, a, there's a very sweet moment after they've driven the demon off, where despite getting uh, he gets a bad cut on his shoulder, um, Xander immediately goes to Anya to make sure she's okay. Um, and they they just have a sweet moment there where he's he's looking after her while she's she's having a rough time. Um, I think I think Emma Caulfield's great in these scenes. Um, she she does this like vocal fry that like really sells the the panic and the um, uh, and, and that claustrophobia. I don't know if I buy it necessarily from a writing perspective. For Anya, it does feel like it comes out of nowhere yeah, a bit.
1: Yeah, it, it seems a tad out of place, uh, just coming from Anya. I mean, maybe if Sophie had that sort of reaction, which, I mean, she, the only thing we really see of her is her, like, kind of hiding in, a in like, a little cubby hole or whatever. Yeah, she's,
0: like, hanging out with Clem. Like, <laughs> which, good for her. She's probably having the best time of anyone. She's hanging out with Clem. Um... The uh, Buffy goes uh, at this point after saving uh, Xander. She goes to uh, to Dawn to try to talk to her, um, and she is uh, she is successful. She does get Dawn to to start to open up about why she's feeling the way she's feeling. Um, meanwhile. Uh, the rest of the gang are trying to come up with a plan, and um, Tara's like, you know we tried magic, didn't work. and that's when Anya I, once again, I'm just gonna I'm gonna be real. This is another place where this metaphor fails the story because I have to be on Anya's side here. <laughs> like they Anya is like, listen, Willow should be doing something willow is the powerful one no offense to tara but like she's the one who has the skill she's the one who has the power to to get us out of this situation um i do think based on what we learn later about the vengeance demon spell i think that's probably not true um anya very specifically says that like only a vengeance demon yeah i
1: mean if willow had done something it probably wouldn't have had like in accordance with how this how the magic in this world works right it wouldn't have had an effect. Yeah. Um,
0: but she... Yeah, she's like, you know... Willow tries to say, you know, I can't. And Anya like, no, not can't. Won't. Um, and Willow is like, you know, I don't know if I can pull myself back from that. If I need to go too far. And Xander's on Anya's side on this. And he's like, you know, well, we've helped you before. If it goes too far, we can help you again. And uh, this is where I, I agree with Tara... I I like Tara standing up for Willow even though I don't like the situation but I'm not putting that on the characters I'm putting that on the writing Mm -hmm. um because yeah Tara physically gets in between Anya and Willow and tells Anya to back off um Willow said no and that's it no more discussion um and I uh I, I, I really like I like seeing the side um I like seeing the side of, of Tara. Um, uh, so Anya storms off. She's going to figure it out herself. Uh, meanwhile, Dawn reveals that she spoke to a guidance counselor about her feelings and may have made a wish. And Buffy's like, Buffy's starting to connect some dots. She's like, guidance counselor, so, okay. wish.
1: I think this is a leap. I think this is a very big leap, that um, like we're somehow able to go from oh I was talking to a guidance counselor, and then Buffy and me is like guidance counselor that you never met before, and you started telling them about what's going on at home. Did you make a wish? So
0: I'm going to agree with you except for one thing, because uh, growing up I actually spoke to a lot of guidance counselors. Um, when I was in elementary school, um, particularly dealing with my parents' divorce. Um, students can go to a guidance counselor of their own volition,
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, and that's completely confidential, not disclosed to the parents. However, if a guidance counselor, at least in my school, how this worked, um, so you know, if I'm totally out of line, if the guidance counselor wanted to speak to a student if the guidance counselor was requesting the meeting with a student that had to be approved by the guardian okay so i i I don't think i think that we could have had a few more steps here but the fact that don had never met the guidance counselor before didn't know who the school guidance counselor was and that buffy had not been given any heads up that that was going to happen i think that Ring some alarm bells. Okay. She there, does make the leap pretty yeah. quickly, but it's not, to me, it's not egregiously so just from that standpoint.
1: But, like, it, the fact that, like, you have just a little bit of information that between Buffy and Anya is able to get directly to Halfrick is, um, I thought that was a little too convenient. Yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> it's a... It's <laughs> but, so I ridiculous. mean, at this point, I'm also kind of wanting this episode to end. Yeah.
0: <laughs> um... So uh in Don's room Anya still believing that Don is responsible. She's searching through all of Don's stuff and that's where she finds uh all of the stolen objects including stuff from the magic box. And this is so dramatic. They are acting like Dawn murdered someone. There is like it's like seventh heaven. Seventh heaven level of
1: like <gasps> Don't stole things! Yeah, it's like the rage that we've seen, the irritation that we've seen Anya feeling throughout the episode is nothing compared to like, and you know I I think Buffy is Buffy's level headed about it, uh, but Anya yeah. is very upset about it. Yeah,
0: and I, I understand that Anya's already operating at like a 14 and, and I do believe that Dawn stealing from her, she would consider a massive betrayal of trust. I do believe that. But it's just the whole, the way it's all written, it's like, if it had just been Anya acting this way, I would have been like, all right, I see how we got here. But, and Xander and Buffy are like looking at each other, like, what? Oh my god. Like, they're not freaking out, but it's just like, it's so dramatic. Like, <laughs> I feel like everyone's like, just. I think they were just kind of, like, taken by surprise. She, she just stole some shit. She, <laughs> it's not like you found heroin in there. <laughs> um, that's what's in Willow's room. <laughs> um, so, uh, but this is where uh, Buffy explains to Anya uh, what she's learned. That's where Anya is like, oh, of course, it's fucking Halfrek. Um, and, yes, she summons her. Um,
1: well, first, like, the demon shows up again. Uh, for the last time. And uh, Buffy Spike and Anya (laughs) are getting in on this fight. Anya is I think she's taking all that pent-up rage. Well, because
0: it's right at it it stabs Halfric when she comes in. Right. So, yeah, Anya's just like, that was our (laughs) way (laughs) out!
1: Yeah, this is like the most physical I've seen Anya get against the demon in a while. She's getting in there.
0: Um, The demon does get away uh, again. But Buffy manages to get the sword and stab him through the wall, absorb him through the sword again, and just snap that sword. Personally, I would have found that risky. I would have been like, what if snapping the sword just releases him again? But again, I think
1: at this point, it's just like, oh, I've had it with this. I've had it with this, Jeff.
0: Um, uh, they uh, go to destroy the pendant to undo the spell, but Halfrek is alive. Uh, she's just like, it's a flesh wound on You should have known better that a silly sword through the chest isn't going to kill me. Um, we have a moment here where, uh, Halfric recognizes Spike seemingly. She refers to him as William and he's like, whoa. And everyone's like, this moment passes. Um, so the reasoning for this, for listeners and for Jason, I don't know if you know this, so, Callie Roca, who plays Halfric, appeared on the show before, in a different role, um, in season five, in Fool for Love, playing Cecily, the okay. woman that he knew in, he wrote the Effulgent poem about. Mm-hmm. Um, the writers, apparently, they were like, you know, Buffy was at the early age of the message boards and all of that, they were like, and, you know, had a really dedicated fan base. The When they decided to reuse this actor... For this role, they knew. They were like, they're gonna notice. There there's gonna be all this speculation about are they the same character or that so they decided to just throw this in there as like a wink. Kinda um kind of like the uh Jack Harvness being the face of Bo. Yeah, thing. exactly, exactly. Um so there is a spin-off novel, I believe, that is of questionable canon status. That does suggest that Halfrick and Cecily are the same person. That Cecily was like a deep cover identity that Halfrick was using while she was on assignment as a vengeance demon. I like that personally. It's Uh, it's fun. I enjoy it. It it ties the characters together in a way. So I personally choose to believe it. But otherwise, it's just it's just a little bit of fun there. Mm -hmm. Um. We do get a little bit of uh, a bit of an expansion on the justice demon lore. Um, uh, I don't. I think it's Willow, maybe, who's like I thought vengeance demons. uh is like Willow or Terran. Yeah, is is like I thought they like helped scorned women. And Albert's like, oh, that was Anya's little thing. Like, uh, we, it was her raison. d'être. She's like the rest of us trying to be a bit more well-rounded. And uh, that's when. Um, Anya gets to dig in, and she's like, "Yeah, that explains your things for like bad parents, daddy issues." Um, so I, I like the idea that vengeance demons are are out there, uh, uh, giving out vengeance of all sorts, not just to scorned women, but justice also just demons. Uh, <laughs> demons. Um, but yes, she explains that when she arrived in Sunnydale to visit Anya. Uh, Don's loneliness and pain and her, uh, her, um, her general misery was so strong she could feel it like crying out throughout the town. Um, so there, she's like you all fucking deserve this for treating this poor girl this way. Even you Clem, Sophie, and Richard who have never met her before. <laughs>
1: um,
0: so she tries to leave in a flourish of magic. But unfortunately is trapped by her own curse. <laughs> um, I'm still upset that there. That I feel like Dawn should be more involved in the undoing of all of this. Um, even if it was just something as simple as saying, like, I wish we could all leave the house. Yeah. Um, that I think that would have done a lot to make me less sour on Dawn in this episode. But if that's not what we're going to get, I like this little loophole of how Frick accidentally traps herself
1: inside. It's, yeah. It's fun. It's It's funny... If not very satisfying. Yeah.
0: Um, so yeah, the curse, Halford, uh lifts the curse. Uh, she leaves. Um, we have this nice scene between Tara and Willow as Tara's cleaning up all the magic stuff. Um, Willow explains that she didn't keep it to use it, but you know, just as a safety net to, you know, in case things got really, really bad. Um, and Tara, it's really sweet. She's like, you know, things did get really bad. Um, and you held it together. And she was like, I think, I think it's time you operate without the net. Would I like this conversation more if it were about a real story of overcoming addiction? Yes. Is it super annoying in a practical way where we're just changing what magic is? Ugh. (laughs) <laughs> Do I like the tenderness of this interaction between the two characters? Yes. Mm-hmm. I'm having a lot of feelings about this that are very conflicting.
1: Welcome to season six. Yeah.
0: Um, so, yeah, the gang uh, uh, leave the house. They're just going to take Richard to the ER. They're very excited to see stars. They're, uh, Xander wants to run around in the yard with his shoes off and feel the dew between his toes. Uh it is a delightful feeling. And uh Buffy walks to the door. Looks like she's about to leave, but no, instead she closes the door uh with Buffy and her with her and Dawn still inside. And Dawn smiles. She doesn't deserve to smile, but she does anyway. <laughs> I actually think a better beat would have been for after the door to close immediately open with Buffy and Dom with like their coats like leaving the house together to like go get like see a movie or something yeah but let's well, say let me so yeah that is older and far away it's an extreme mixed bag of an episode yeah um, I feel it's like, a mess yeah th- there's a lot of moments that really land like I love I love Tara yeah. MVP for sure. Um, you know I enjoy Halfric showing up Um, I think Emma Caulfield does some really great work
1: um, on the acting side even if I I don't quite see how she got there here's one thing that bothered me as I was watching this episode I Mm -hmm. get that they couldn't leave but could at the very least Buffy Dawn and Willow not like take like change Change their their clothes or shower or something Yes, like couldn't everybody shower I mean I get that you know there probably aren't a lot of clothes for Xander and uh, for Xander and Spike and Clem and Richard, but yeah. I mean, I mean, surely they like you know they could have had some sort of clean clothes for them uh, to wear. Or... I was thinking the same thing.
0: Um, I think part of it was they didn't want to change Buffy out of her admittedly very cute costume. Um, I really loved that off the shoulder blouse mm-hmm. with the choker, but. I was thinking that at the end of the episode. They were in there for,
1: what, three days?
0: Something like that. Um, Yeah, Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. That had to have been a lot of stank. You're right. Like, some of the characters, they're stuck with what they got. But, like, three of these people live there. (laughs) Presumably have a change of clothes. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, Anya and Tara and Sophie presumably could have borrowed something. You're right. Like, even if they... Even if it wasn't an issue of gendered clothing, which it shouldn't be an issue of gendered clothing, but the men here are all too big to yeah. be wearing any of Willow Dawn or Puffy's clothing. Um, yeah, it's it's weird. It, um, it almost felt like they were
1: just like, uh, we don't have the costume budget this week. <laughs> it's a ball episode, guys. Ball episode. Um, I'm glad that you felt that same way, because it's kind of like nagging on me when I noticed that uh, we were on like day two and... And Buffy still had that same top on. Yeah. Um,
0: so yeah, it's just it's it's a messy episode that doesn't live up to the potential of its premise, um, and does a real disservice to Dawn yeah. as a character. Like, if you know, I try to be pro Don, and if someone's like, "I hate Don," I'm like, "Why? Tell me why you hate Don." And they're like, older and far away. I'd be like, "Yeah, all right. I'm not even gonna try to mm-hmm. change your mind because." um you know I think there's more to the character than that but at the same time I'm not even gonna try yeah um I think I'm gonna give this episode uh
1: two barley allergies out of five I Um, had kind of like the same the same reaction I was gonna give it uh two stolen jackets out of five yeah just not such a mess very unfocused Mm mhm and I really kind of just wanted it to end because it, it, it was lacking in charm, in mm-hmm. uh, charm that it could have had. Uh, and yeah, I actually like what she said about the fact that the, even though, like, the, the reason that bottle episodes are good are usually, like, standout episodes of the show, of, a, of the respective show. Yeah. Is that it has limited. Limited budget, limited setting Typically just the same one set Mm -hmm. And it allows for the writing and the cast as an ensemble to shine Yeah Um, And you know, sometimes it can be like The Fly and Breaking Bad Where it's just two characters Right Uh, But the writing does not shine in this Nope And uh, there's too much separation of the cast as a whole to really give what makes a bottle episode great yeah
0: so this is drew greenberg's uh second episode that he's written uh his first was smashed so um you know and just looking forward to some of his other credits uh he has um he's going to write the season six episode entropy which is not a bad one um but it's also not like a standout yeah he wrote the season seven episode "Him." I
1: love that we are episode. Him
0: fans, and then he also wrote the season seven episodes "The Killer and Me," "The Killer in Me," and "Empty Places," uh, which
1: Harrison does not like. At least one of those episodes. Either of them. Either of them. Either of them.
0: So sorry, Drew. You are you're 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 not my favorite. Um, <laughs> I I don't know what other work that you have done outside of Buffy. I hope it's better. Um, <laughs> okay, actually, I'm looking at. He wrote the episode "Safe" uh, of Firefly, which is. Um, oh, is
1: that the one where they uh, like break in and try to steal those medical supplies? Um,
0: no, this is the one Oh yes, it is. Or no, is it? This is the one where they're... Oh, it's like this weird town where they... Um, yeah, the episode sees Malcolm Reynolds forced to choose which crew members to save when one is gravely wounded and two others are kidnapped. Simon Tam finds an uneasy haven in a remote village, but Rivers' uncanny perceptions... Jeopardize the Tam's temporary safety. Oh, okay. They're, like, in, like, a... What kind of backwater is, like, town and she has, like, a vision or something and I think yeah. they, like, want to burn her at the stake or some shit. Yeah,
1: that was... That was, like, of all the Firefly episodes, that was probably, like, one of the more forgettable ones. Uh,
0: but I believe that's the one that, uh... I believe that's the one that has one of my favorite Firefly lines when they... Mal and Zoe drop in to rescue. Big damn heroes. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) What does that make (laughs) us? Big damn heroes. (laughs) Um. So yeah. Anyway, uh, that is older and far away.
1: Um, Will you take us out, Jason? Yeah. Thank you for joining us on Booz and Buffy. We'll be back next week with Angel season three, episode fifteen, Loyalty. Mm -hmm. I'm
0: Harrison. You can find me on Instagram at Harrison Alexander Kaufman and on Twitter at Harrison Kaufman. That's C O F F M A N.
1: And I'm Jason. You can find me on Instagram at j 357
0: And you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Booze and Buffy. Or you can email us at boozeandbuffy at com.
1: And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts from. Yes. Uh,
0: sorry. <laughs> I thought you were done. I was like, yes, and then you had a little more, and I was like, oh no, I cut them off. Um, each week, uh, typically, we will give a shout out to a worthy charity or nonprofit. Um, we are gonna we are switching this up a bit as we kind of have for the last two weeks. Um, we've we've uh, used a lot of nonprofits, and it's just uh, it's difficult to find new ones without repeating, or you know, I want to be cautious about making sure we're highlighting places that are you know worth highlighting. Um, so instead, we're gonna go more of a general. Like, here are some causes to think about and look into. Um, uh, if if you, the listeners, have specific organizations you want to you want us to shout out, please send, an email. Please. send us an email. Uh, boozeandbuffy at gmail The end is spelled out. <laughs> um, there you go. Uh, but yeah, g- just generally though, um, I feel like last week we were talking a lot. We talked about the um, the Supreme Court cases. Um, and that's still, you know, th- those issues are still really prevalent. So I'm just going to say, you know, um, continue to support uh, uh, candidates in these positions, you know, judicial positions, legislative positions, executive positions, at every level of the government so that, um, you know, we can have a functioning democracy.
1: It requires a bit more research, but it is worth it. I
0: agreed. Agreed. Alright, as always, go slay. And be gay. Bye.
1: Bye.